0: AM 1600, Saturday evening with Spirits of New Mexico. A little contrast on the music here to what the wines we will be tasting. This is from Japanese Kodo Music Festival, and uh, I thought it would be a nice little contrast to the area we're going to, maybe a little similarities. I know there's a lot of uh, Japanese culture in California, is that right, Jim? Uh, so, let's go. All I was right. going to say,
1: wow, Eric, that, that music has absolutely nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about today, but I like it. I All like right. where you're going. Excellent.
2: All <laughs> right. I like, well, I, but I like the enthusiasm. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> and and yeah. I like the fact that I'm staring at, at Kevin oh. right across the table from me.
0: It's been it's, a long time. Oh, yes. boy. Welcome back I to the know. hot seat, Kevin. I, it's good I, to see you and hear you.
1: Believe me, I've missed it. It's just been too long. I'm trying. I'm trying to get here as, as much as I can, but you know. This work thing keeps getting in the way of my hobbies. Work,
2: yeah, work I, I know how that works. Right. <laughs> Fortunately, oh I don't God. have the work thing going on, so I can do all my
0: hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. The World Wide Web and local Albuquerque listeners, if you haven't noticed already, we are the Spirits of New Mexico on AM1600 and ABQ.FM. Also on rockoftalk.check and Roku, Roku TV on the Rock of Talk app. You will find us here. Every Saturday at this time. And we are tasting wine. Which
2: wines are we tasting this week? Actually, we're gonna start, I'm I'm gonna give Kevin the lead uh with this wonderful oh. vodka that he brought.
0: Yeah, we gotta show everybody. We're we're t- we're starting he, he,
2: off. He knows that's one of those magic words. he says vodka, I pop right up and say yes. Right. And, and yet another curveball for everybody.
0: <laughs>
1: we gotta show it for the camera for the folks yeah, watching absolutely. out there. Uh yeah. Today we're gonna do uh, I thought we'd do a little Hansen of Sonoma. Mm-hmm. So to get us in the mood, I know we're going to be in Napa, but we're right down the road here with the uh, Sonoma Organic Vodka. Oh, they're this close enough, and it is made from grapes. So they use they use a uh, French Colombard grapes. So
2: interesting, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, well, yeah. That's usually used in a lot of bulk wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so y- usually not prestigious ones. so you can make make a uh, a really good uh, vodka without having. The produce you're using being, like, well, let's see. Why don't we make it from a, a nice uh, classic Chardonnay from Napa? Uh, we'll have to actually charge twice for the price for the the the, the wine. So I, I think that makes it makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, this is not. I mean, this is not a, an inexpensive product because you do have to yep. take extra steps, and and there's a lot of there's a lot more to, it, there's a lot more processing involved, yep. right? But they're doing pot still. It's a family-run business out of Northern California with deep roots in there. They, and they've partnered with the Trincero family. Okay, So here you have another ah, one of those partnerships. Right. right? That's the way the Trinceros like to do things. They, they don't like to just buy properties and buy intellectual property when it comes to spirits and wine. They partner with the families that are making these products. That's a smart
0: thing. And they go decision. in and they say, hey,
1: you know what? You guys continue making the product and we'll market it. And we'll get it. We have the distribution network. We have... The warehousing, we have the ability to get your product to market. You do what you do best and we'll do what we do best. And I think that's a great partnership, a great way to do it. Yeah. So this particular product is what is one of my favorites. I mean, it's it's such a did you get a chance to to nose it and, mm-hmm. and give it a give it a little taste? I mean, really comes across you can oh, yeah. really smell the the sweetness of the grape coming out of this. You know, it's yeah, not it's can. not heavy on the it, I found almost it's not
2: almost a little grappa. Yeah, yeah.
1: Out. I mean, but it is foolproof. I mean, you're talking it is an 80 proof spirit.
2: Yeah, that's the that's a good thing too. opposed yeah. the grappa where it's like, oh, no, yeah. it's
1: it's not going to be sugary sweet, but you do get a sweet nose. And I think that that comes from the you know, the pot still and the grape, the character that remains. But it's a it, it's an interesting uh, product in my yeah. in my opinion, so much different than the wheat vodkas or potato vodkas that you would taste out there on the market.
2: Yeah. Well, other than a few of the ones from France, because I, they obviously, they, they may have been the first ones doing it in France, because what makes obvious sense. And it would make sense to them, too, because they used a lot of white wine grapes to make cognac. Right. And Almanac. So, And and it usually is, the grapes they choose are ones that are not dramatic ones, like a Chardonnay or Sauvignon Blanc. They're the, the ones a little bit more neutral. But that seemed to lend themselves well to making a spirit out of, right, and forward. so I, that's why I, I would be really curious to see if they ever tried playing with uh, a couple of the classic French grapes that were used for this that are everywhere, and, and and see what that would be like.
1: Well, I can tell you they do play with flavors, and so what they're doing. And I didn't bring I didn't bring all the flavors here today, but they <laughs> did. They have um,
2: that was probably a good thing.
1: A Meyer lemon, cucumber, an orange, a habanero, and there's one more I'm missing one. I think that's it. Those four plus the the original. And what it does is they they actually macerate their fruit, fruits and vegetables into the flavors. So it's it's a natural process. So when you taste the cucumber, you taste not only the flesh of the cucumber, but the skin, and you get that re- really bright and fresh cucumber taste, but not chemical, not fake. Right. You right, know? right. It's it's really and with oranges, they're using the the pulp and the skin and the rind, right? So you get the taste that 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 almost bitterness of the rind that comes across, yeah. that zest.
2: That and that 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 actually is uh, actually excites me to try that because some of the ones I've seen is like, you know, I, I really should have done better in my chemistry class because <laughs> this looks all chemicals. Is is there anything real in here? This is
1: this is a very small batch yeah. company, you know. I think I think I don't want to guess at the number, but I'm gonna guess it's twenty-five to thirty thousand cases. We're not talking about a big yeah. multi-million case production.
2: Well, they're not using the continuous still. No, so, right. so, your production is going to be correct. low right off the bat. Yeah. Right. So,
1: yeah, it's an it's an interesting, I thought it was kind of a nice twist and an interesting spin. Now, for those technical geeks out there, right, they, it's called vodka. But, Jim, you and I both know that if they wanted to, they could have called it unaged brandy. Because it, technically, it fits that definition as well. Yeah. No, so, I,
0: I didn't know that. Why would they? Because it's, it be a... it's
1: distilled grapes okay so it falls into the brandy category as by by its natural definition
2: excellent exactly but you can make
1: vodka from anything so they chose to call it vodka and market it as vodka so it's kind of a you know i try explaining that to people like that you know even there we have some we have some vodkas that are made from sugar cane i said well technically it's a rum too Mm -hmm. it 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 classifies as multiple categories yeah so you'll find this at most um, hot you know, uh, independent liquor stores. Our friends at Jubilation or Kelly's Quarters, Paradise, uh, Latitudes, places like that up north. Coco Man, uh, Susan's, you know, uh, down south, and in, in the Kelly's down there. And and, and this, you know, it's going to retail probably around twenty to twenty-two dollars. So not terribly expensive. Oh
2: no, that's actually a good, pretty good price. But
1: certainly not your least expensive, you know. Yep. Vodka you can find
2: in that, in this in this tier. No, but you're not looking for the least expensive vodka. You're no. looking for something that's a little different. Yeah. So, so yeah. I thought
1: this was a little different and it's close enough to where we were regionally, you know, this week. I know I was trying to get this in here for a couple <laughs> weeks. I'm like, are we going to get it? Are we going to get it? And nah, we finally nailed it. We got it. it. We nah, got it. Nailed hey, it.
2: Buddy, when you show up, it, it, it'll be on the, our list.
1: <laughs> and the reason we talked about this too is because everybody's on a sort of anti right, Russian vodka phase. And oh, there's no. really not that many Russian vodkas out in the United States in the market. It's a very small percent. It's like 8% of the vodka sold in the U.S. is actually made in Russia these yeah. days. So, whilst a lot of them have Russian names, they're not made in Russia anymore.
2: So, yeah. I, that
0: that, that, that's, that was
1: sort of the reason behind I was thinking vodka.
0: That, that reminds yeah. me of you, Kevin. Isn't Petrosnik some kind of a Russian name? It's Polish by okay. definition, oh, but okay. I, I, I I
1: wouldn't. Put it past my ancestors to have some started further
2: east right okay yep in the ukraine even yeah yep so yeah
0: timely and timely and ever-changing we are here.
1: but i do have family i do have family my on my mother's side is from poland i'm sorry on my father's side is from poland on my mother's side is from russia so grand back to grandparents my great-grandparents were from russia my grandparents immigrated to the United States with them. So uh, I had a suspicion. Yeah, back in the early teens, pre pre World War One uh-huh. era.
2: A good time to be moving out. Yes. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Things got a little little nasty about that time. Yep.
1: So they were out before World War One. So that but but still, you know, the heritage is there. So oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't want people to think ill of of, you know, if a vodka is truly sourced from Russia and you choose not to support it, that's your that's a that's your personal choice and yep. we're okay with that. You know, we, we, as a company, we're not going to be really selling, we don't sell much Russian vodka. Um, so, you know, this doesn't really impact us anyway.
2: Yeah. And pe- it's, 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 you know, a lot of times it's, if you want to impact something, then how about working on the governments, not the people who are out there in the fields trying to make some decent vodka. Yeah. Uh, so I, you're not penalizing the people you should be penalizing.
1: I mean, we could do a whole show on this, but I mean, you think about right the the, the ingredients. We're starting. The ing- I, I know <laughs> the ingredients to make vodka are also the ingredients that right where everybody needs for basic food substances around the world. So you know, while we see this happening now, I keep hearing right, I hear I hear uh, our friends on on this station on the various um, you know uh, syndicated shows talk about that we're going to experience some hardship in potentially the food supply chain. Oh yeah, a year from now, right. not now right we're going we need to go through a cycle of of a of a bad crop a bad season and so the ingredients to make you know not necessarily this one because it's grapes but yeah. the grains and the and the the wheats and the the barleys and the things that are used in the production of wine and beer and spirits are going to be impacted by this
0: and vodka, oh, yeah. vodka means water if i'm not mistaken is that correct vodka right
1: um yeah there's some translation in there that that kind of that goes along with it um, you know, people start. I think it started with O de V, the water of right. life, the yep. water of life. Right. So, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely connections where people say, drink it like it's water.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: if it's But yeah. Anyway, so yeah. that was that's enough on vodka. Where Jim take us to where we're going? Well, the down place, the road from the, here.
2: The other, you yeah, know, the other place we're going is um, is uh, not too far from there. In fact, uh, you if you segwayed a little east, you would probably hit one of the. Uh, places where we're enjoying these wines from. So we're here back in Napa Valley, and we're doing Napa Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, and also including a Paris Sojourn, which is actually something also appropriate, as, as we'll see.
1: Well, they're connected, aren't they?
2: They yeah. always are connected, yes. absolutely.
1: Nowadays, people always connect them because of the, the judgment.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, so some people would say that the history of Napa Valley started in 1976, uh, and but actually that's not totally accurate because uh, it would have if they had like every news uh, uh, group in the world was circling over there in 1976 in Paris and checking on this blind tasting between the upstart guys from winemakers from Napa Valley and uh, the prestigious and and so well re- regarded wines of both Bordeaux and Burgundy like two words you almost say fervently, like a prayer, right? And uh, so this really, it it took a while to percolate to, uh, down. If it was a televised event, it would have been totally different. You know, right. it would have been like, holy crow, uh This is uh, unbelievable, but it, it wasn't. But uh, fortunately, George Tabor uh, from Time was there, and he did an article on it, and then he did a book on it. And uh, that really set things aflame. And, of course... <laughs> Since Steven Spurrier was the one who was setting this whole thing up. They were setting, trying to set him aflame as, as well. The, the French were not really too generous about the fact that they lost the top red and white wines. Uh, and so this put a lot of focus immediately on Napa, uh, both the Chardonnays and the Napa Cabs. In fact, as you probably know, Napa Cab is just like, a, that's a standard term. Uh, right. And yeah, it just sort of defines a style. It, it absolutely does d- define a style and, and, and a very prestigious one at at mm-hmm. that. So, uh, you, you see if you're saying Napa cab, you're saying, Oh, you're going to high end, aren't you? <laughs> and, and that would be true. And, you know, I'm sorry if you've aced it at the, at, uh, against the most prestigious red Bordeaux wines out there. Um, one would, would think that they should be segueing in your direction, especially since the prices are probably a little bit better. Although I don't, I don't know during that time for me, everything was a lot less expensive, so that might not be the case. But
1: well, I'm sure it was expensive for its time.
2: Yeah, exactly. It, it, it seemed like it uh, whenever I was getting French wine, and I loved them, but I was just like, "Wow, this is really expensive. Eight dollars for a wine? This is outrageous." Whoever thought, well, all you have to do is segue to right now. It's just like eight dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's a cheap wine. Now it's uh, like, wow, how'd that happen? But now, that's now those, it's
1: like twelve dollars for just a, a house wine sometimes.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, a house wine is yeah. any wine you have in your house. So that's I, true. I don't know how how definitive that is. But any anyway. So, but the the thing is, even within Napa, because there are so many sub regions, and and you can also classify them just by the fact you have the valley and the mountains. Okay, so there's five mountain regions that basically surround it. Uh, both in, in the VACA range and the Mayacomus range. So they basically are are protecting, if you will, this wonderful fertile area in the middle that is the, the Napa Valley. But as we'll see as we go through this area, uh, even the valley areas are delineated, and not only delineated, but when you put a name of, of Yonville or Brotherford or Calistoga on a cab, it's going to have a different significance um, as, as I discovered when I've done tastings of mm-hmm. all of them. So, uh, in fact, I did that at Raymond vineyards. Uh, have you ever been, been to Raymond?
1: No, I haven't, oh, but
2: you have I've to put heard. that on your list, Kevin. Yeah. You really do. I mean, the place is amazing. It's both the outside areas where they're talking about all the viticulture and they have really set up displays of everything, you know, the trellis, the different trellis methods, the, you know, all that, all the kind of geeky stuff that you and I like, uh, is all on the outside and on the inside is all the sensory stuff uh, so you get to see the visuals of core, of core samples of different, uh, vineyards and, and you get the sniff. Thing. It's just an amazing museum of, of culture. And so we were there with, uh set up actually by my good friend, Judy Diaz. Uh, and I wanted to shout out to Judy now. Uh, she is, she, she had, uh, had, a, an organization where she had a lot of Japanese businessmen that would come in and they would go to the various, uh Vineyards and and they had to buy a case of wine as part of it. She became very uh, well known and loved in, in Napa. So uh, when, when I went there, she said, Well, how about if we set up a tasting with uh, Raymond? I said, Yeah, that sounds great. Got to meet Bill Farmer there, uh, who's I've just re- really enjoyed immediately. And we were doing tastings of three different Raymond wines. Yeah. And they were, we had them in. Uh, in baccarat, heart shaped red carafes that had been aging for uh, an hour and a half, and then we were tasting them also uh, just out of the bottle, so we could contrast it. And it was a, it was definitely a Rutherford um, and a Yonfer, I think. Uh, a no, I, I think, and there was at least three different ones, and, and Calvostog was one, and they were so different. The character they they all vinified the same year. Everything done about them pretty much the same, except where they selected the fruit from, and each one was kind of unique. I thought like, that's only a few miles up the road from where I just was, but that's kind of the way it was. If if you would go to Burgundy, every Clement is different and unique, and and you you could you could step off one property and go another hundred yards, and you're paying only a fraction of the same price because of where that fruit came from. And isn't
1: that what makes wine so magical and special? Oh yes,
2: I think so. Right. That, that That, that you you can can do that and you can can detect the difference in the soil, in the wines you're, you're tasting. I just, that just still blows me away. I think that's part of what, what uh, our romance about wine is all about. So anyway, that's, uh, that, that was good. And, and uh, Judy had an unfortunate accident recently and uh, she was in the hospital. She's doing a lot better now. And so this is kind of a shout out to her. It was just, We want you back up there and doing your thing. Get back up on that horse. Absolutely. Make that wine. (laughs) So, fantastic. Good woman. Anyway, so anyway, so Napa Valley, thirty miles long, one that five miles wide, depending on where you are, produces about four percent of California wines and probably some of the most expensive wine. I would say (laughs) you could four percent
1: of the wine, but like ninety percent of the of the the, of the folklore.
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that too. That that that, that too. Yeah, but, you know, but where else but Napa would you have Inglenook uh, built by a Finnish sea captain Gustav Nibom? Over 120 years later, and now owned by Coppola Nibom, a movie maker. Only in Napa would things like that happen. I, it's hard to imagine almost any other area where you would see that amazing transition going on.
1: Yeah, and you know Coppola sold his winer winery to um, the Delicato family last year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Except he kept the Inglenook property.
2: Well, that's a special yeah, property. Did
1: not, didn't that, did, that did not transfer in the sale. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Inglenook
0: stays with with Mr. Coppola. And they kept the Coppola name on the label too, if I'm not mistaken. On is that the, right? The Inglenook wine. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, you mean the the ones that they sold to Delicato? Yeah. Is that- yeah. Yeah. They're keeping the Coppola. Yeah. Coppola's got a big following. So yeah, Francis Ford Coppola wines will be yeah remain that way. But that particular Inglenook property is going to stay in the in the Coppola family. I yeah. yep. it's not a big producer now. Now, when you think Inglenook, right? People people's mind goes back to those five liter jugs. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Right, bought, like that's what they think of when they think of Inglenook. But it's really a, a pre, it's a prestigious piece of property where the name and those wines were being made long before that bulk wine was yep. was coming along.
2: Yeah. And a lot of pipe, a lot of people were just focusing on the low end wise, not some of the high right. end stuff that they did, which is unfortunate. But yeah. So, um, so Napa basically begins at pa- San Pablo Bay, which is a significant influence on, it, of course, a certain areas and ends in a volcano, Mount St. Helena. So as you can imagine, a pretty amazing area, quite varied in just that short distance of uh, the, the terrain, everything changes there. So the first grapes probably 1850. Charles Krug is the one credited with uh, being the first. And uh, you've probably tried some Charles Krug wines. They, they they were, of course, redone by Robert Mondavi. Uh, but, wow, they were just um, a, a, a style apart. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the Krug wines, they were the fruit was so bright, yeah. you almost thought there was a flashlight on it. It was just one of the things that they did. Anyway, um, kind of wandering a little bit. But anyway... So the what what happened of course is after the judgment of Paris and people starting to focus a lot more on wine and m- more specifically NAP in general really started pushing this up so that blind tasting had a big impact the uh, they also did a movie bottle shock in 2008 about the about this whole event that was actually really well done they fudged the history a little bit of course but uh and they only focused on the chardonnay but it's still Bottle Shock was supposed to identify the fact that the there was a shock in the Chardonnay and the color, and it came back later. But I think the real shock was the French realizing that the wines they chose as the best ones were not theirs. <gasps> Mon Dieu. Oh, no. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> how can that be? So if, if you're going up, uh, if, if you haven't ever gone up through this area, it's quite fascinating. You, you start out with. On the secondary roads, probably going through Los Caneros. Actually, if you start at Los Caneros, you may never leave that area. If you love Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, you will just want to spend the rest of the day there. And then maybe think about wandering a little further north. But, of course, as we said, this is also influenced by San Pablo Bay very dramatically. So it's a cool climate area. Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, perfect. You'll have other grapes there, but those are the two. Those are the king grapes. And, uh, and of course this is the only AVA that is also shared by Sonoma, uh, in all of California. In fact, all of the U S it's the only shared, uh, American viticultural area. So there's always that, uh, that, that, that you can uh, always surprise someone at a wine tasting event. And, uh, so if, if you look at the, the map of the area, I don't know if I can actually get this up for you, but since we've got this, okay. Now that I've probably uh, <laughs> induced motion sickness in you. Well, I tried to do that. I have to practice on on this concept anyway. So, uh, this is a, a huge area, but if you start at the beginning, like I said, Los Caneros, the, the next area you're going to hit actually off on the the right. If you decided to get off highway 29, which can be a good thing. Um, the next area you're, you're going to hit coming up there is Coombsville. Uh, there's a one of the reasons I, I was identified Coombsville because we actually did a tasting there again with, with Judy that she had set up and there was some amazing wineries. One of them they had set uh they had drilled a huge tunnel through a mountain. They had the press on the top gravity feed down into it, and it looked like something out of Dr. No down below with the tracks and everything, and they oh it was just amazing. We had a great time there, but what impressed me the most was the quality of the Coombsville fruit which was different than anything else I'd, I had experienced in Napa. So this area is actually up a little more elevated. Uh, and it's, so it's basically in the foothills of the Vaca Range. And so, and of course, right behind that is is the Wild Horse Valley, a very small area. You don't normally encounter many of the wines from there, but it's there, that's one of them. And then if you continue up, if you continue up on Highway 29, after you've been seduced by Coombsville, then that's where you usually have on the weekends, bumper-to-bumper bumper traffic going all <laughs> the way up there. You know, you want to do wine tasting? No, all you're doing is seeing very slowly the wineries passing by your window. But uh, I, I don't recommend the weekends for doing the wine tasting, but that's just me. But uh, any other time, it's, it can be fabulous. The, the thing is, you have two main roads to go up. So on the west side, you have the Highway 29, And that does carry a lot of of the uh, traffic all the time, and then over to the east of that is the is is the area that most of the time I would prefer to spend my time. And what is that, Kevin?
1: Silverado Trail.
2: The Silverado Trail. Uh, That is it's 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 one instead of being a straight flat thing, it's it's curves and it it rises and it falls, and there's less traffic out there. And, and the thing is, this is almost like, if you look at the whole valley, it's almost like a ladder with all these cross streets. And on each cross street are different wineries. So you can cross back and forth between them. Usually what we do is we, we go on the Calistoga side, I mean the Silverado side, and then we go, go, go back and then we come back on the Silverado side. Yeah, you, Stay, can, move, wait,
1: you can move a little faster. On the uh, Silverado a little bit side. faster, yeah.
2: yeah. And, of course, you're not going to try to do too many wineries, really. Seriously, you don't. You, you want to focus on, uh, on what you have an interest in and just... Pick two or three quality wineries that you can enjoy that day. Uh, I haven't always done that. Uh, a lot of times we got as much in as we could, and by the end of the day, we were blitzed. It was just like uh, our eyes were crossed uh, going to dinner. Oh, that? Not we, the spitting we, type. We, we, we didn't want any more wine <laughs> for dinner because <laughs> we'd had way too much during the day. But anyway, uh, that's just the way I, I would I would suggest that you set it up. So the, the first area you hit is Oak Knoll. This is the warmest area, a wide variety of grapes from there. And then Yonfell comes in next. And again, they were established in 99 and uh, also known for their Cabernet. Stag's Leap, obviously known for their, their cab and the winning wine in the Judgment of Paris. So Stag's Leap is, is always, which is on the Silverado side, is always an area people are going to navigate toward. And uh, then back on the main road, you have Oakville and Rutherford, also known for their cabs, and St. Helena. Yeah, I, I think it was, I, what I had was a Calistoga, a St. Helena, and a Rutherford. Those were the three that we did at, at Raymond that one, at one time. And, you know, all very different. They're all known for their cab, but if, you know, in some cases, you may source for from more than one area, mm-hmm. and it's just a Napa cab. But believe me, if you're selecting from just one of those areas, Rutherford cabs always command a little bit higher price in the Valley from, I think, almost any of the other areas there, typically. And then Calistoga and the Chili's Valley is way out, uh, in the mountain areas that that's when you gotta, you gotta seek out the mountain ranges are the ones I find fast, the most fascinating. Um, and again, cooler climate. So it's going to change the character of the wines, Atlas peak, spring mountain, diamond mountain, howl mountain and mountain beater. Um, and th- those are all the ones that's actually going up in a, uh, semicircle counterclockwise, um, and, uh each one is kind of unique how mountain um, is one of my favorites I, I like that for their Zins as, as well as their their cabs and uh, I was ho- actually hoping when I p- picked up my wine I was checking Trader Joe's they had a their uh, premium reserve mm-hmm. uh, they had a Atlas peak and a Diamond mountain district cab and I said oh one of those would be perfect to, to, uh, to contrast on the show. Actually, uh, if you hadn't shown up, I would have tried to get both. Neither of them are available. The, in fact, they're, they're very low on the platinum reserve. I think I'll have to try to Trader Joe's up in Santa Fe. They may do more of the platinum up there, but the one I picked is still a really good one It's a Trader Joe's grand reserve. Meritage, uh, Napa Valley, uh, 2019. And uh, this is uh, this is a very representative wine. Have, have you tried any of it yet? No, I'm still
1: I'm still just just getting the palate oh. acclimated to the Faust.
2: Yeah, I, I think you will like it. It's 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 it is a big lush wine, and it it's it's got hmm. lots of flavor going on. And uh, so I, I I for 12.99 friends, this is a good wine. Uh, okay, there's no way you will not think you got your money's worth with this wine, and. Uh, very big ripe fruit, uh, a lot of darker fruit in it. And uh, so it's it's hard. To, the, the one thing of, about, this is kind of what I would call uh, Napa, Napa Cabernet Sauvignon on the cheap, Costco and Trader Joe's. Mm, yeah. And both of those places you can get, you know, ones that they've featured themselves that are definitely well above their price point. What would you think?
1: Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think that they, they do provide uh, a service for that. Um, what you're not going to find, though, is necessarily names you recognize. And, and um, you know, I mean, there's something to that. You know, if you're having guests over and you want to serve something that they might recognize, then you're, that's not the place to go for that.
2: Yeah, ex- that, exactly. That, I'm
1: not saying you have to show off. I'm just saying if you want a brand name, if you don't want your guests to say, well, what is that? Where'd that come from? never heard of that before. And then you have to start explaining. Right. You know, it, so some people do choose brand names to avoid that. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just, you know,
2: no, it, but it, it's, to enjoy it's, for yourself you
1: know, and your app and, and family and immediate, you know, if you're going to open up with a partner, friend, a spouse, absolutely. Yeah. You get, you definitely get value out of certain, uh, findings and certain bottlings.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the, the point is, and, uh, which is one that Kevin was, was, uh, talking about was the, um, that the fact you don't know the provenance of the wine. Uh, I don't, I I've got a wonderful tech sheet on the house house wine that, uh, Kevin brought, yeah. uh, that it's, it's just got me all excited just, just by itself. And, um, <laughs> and in fact, when we get to this one, you'll find out that, uh, a, a, other details are number four, uh, most popular, uh, uh, restaurant wine and number two most popular Cabernet Sauvignon wine in twenty twenty. So that means you're talking about wines that are first of all going to go with food. That's obvious. Uh, if if it's a restaurant wine, and and you're talking about a very different provenance. Uh, and in fact, I can tell you a lot of information about this wine. The Trader Joe one. I can only make yeah. Guess. So
1: to, to your point there, you're right. You're not only you're going to not know the the brand name you never heard of, you're not going to know anything about the wine. You're not going to be able to find anything about it. Um, I think of, it reminds me of um, that Cameron Hughes wines. Mm -hmm. That kind of, that kind of pops into my mind. Cameron Hughes has made a living out of taking wine that was either left over or in excess from very well named prestigious wineries, bottling them under his name, and his label, and making a point of not telling you where the source winery is. It is, it is contractually, they're contractually obligated exactly. not yeah. to tell you where the source of that wine is. Yeah. So you know you're going to get amazing fruit at a great price. You just can't know where it's from. Right. Sounds, See, sounds kind of fun. Interesting business model, isn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, it
2: is. Oh, it, it is. And it they, is. Because it's because
1: they discounted. They discounted a, probably upwards of 50% off because yep. it helps the wineries move out old vintages and excess wine that they're not going to be able to sell necessarily. So yeah. It's, yeah. An, it's an interesting model. And they do sell. Yeah. People I buy People you know? buy Cameron Hughes. They, they love, they love, they almost love the mystery of it, but they, they're not quite sure where yep. it is or trying to guess which, which wine it is. Yeah. That's right. Kind of, yeah. That is, yeah. It's it's like of. you can say, Oh, this is, you know, this is Mandavi. I know it's Mandavi, but it doesn't say Mandavi. But no, I know it is. I know yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And you'll never know. You'll never be 100% sure yeah. of what it is.
2: What it is, actually, I, I think, uh, and this is why I enjoyed doing these wines is you have to trust your palate. Yeah. Is this a good wine or not? Doesn't matter it had a, a label that said, this is a great wine. We got 96 points, blah, blah, blah. No, it's what your palate tells you. And the more you trust that, the more you'll be able to enjoy some wines like this and pay a lot less for or, them. Or if for you a trust, special occasion, I'm going to do, I'm de- definitely going to do the Faust. Um, or you trust or, what you
1: read in the Fearless Flyer that comes out from Trader Joe's. They, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you trust the trust the reviews in the Fearless Flyer. Well, the ones
2: that I trust are from the reverse <laughs> wine snob. Uh, that's John Thornson. I'm, have you read any of his stuff? No. Uh, he's, he's very good. I'm it,
1: not very well, if you if you figure it out, Jim, I'm not very well read on
2: wine. Uh, well, that's, that's we true. We like
1: to use the term stack it and whack it.
2: Okay, right.
1: Stack it high, let it fly. We're in sales, darn yeah. it.
2: That's okay. what we do. <laughs> well, the, these are, you know, the, this, this part here that, that I, I sent you the copy of, is, yeah. is, is his own comments on it. So the, one of the things he has uh, is just a, a, a bullet plate thing. And it, so this one, he says, the taste, 91, 93 points. And he gives it a nine, which is for him the case cases between 91, 93 points. Costs six, overall rating eight, three and a possible 10. He it as a bulk buy. That means if you see it at a Trader Joe, grab a bunch of bottles. That's what he's basically saying. And I, I would agree. At, at 12 dollars uh, this is delivering really excellent Napa fruit. It's it's a really rich one. Uh, his comments on it, uh, it said, begins with lots of ripe dark berry fruit, plenty of vanilla, uh, licorice, spice, and a little coffee. Uh, quite an oaky aroma, but quite good too. I didn't get a lot of oaky on the aroma myself, but anyway, uh, and again, they're, they're going to, they were going to use a, a lot of, a lot of, um, oak on this probably. What kind of oak was it? Fresh oak, new yoke, don't know. Um, and so, you know, and those are the kind of things that kind of drive me crazy. So I would like to know that, but there's no way I'm going to know that. Darn it. But there, there you go. It's just oak, Jim. Yeah. It's just oak. Just oak. <laughs> so anyway, tasting one feels uh, vanilla Soak, ripe and juicy fruit. Again, I'm not getting that as is, that is much of an influence on it, but he might have tasted it uh, earlier th- than I did. So this is a 2019, um, and uh, it's it, you know a little over the top, but very delicious. It is. It's it's a very yeah, big, lush good. wine.
1: It is very lush wine. Yeah,
2: and uh, ends long, slight chewy, lingering tart fruit. It's got it's got really good acidity. That I I, I like. Um, I I think it's a bit more in the in the faus, but really really nice and it's got some nice minerality too so it's they obviously you were using good fruit in this and and they knew what they were doing about making the wine the the only thing that we know was the jba was the ones that put it together i was gonna say
1: yeah you said they they knew what they were doing and they put we just don't know who they are Mm -hmm,
0: mm
2: -hmm.
0: (laughs) we never never know who they and them. it's the they yeah they knew what they were doing
1: yes I mean, for all we know, it could have been, it could have been a brand, it's a brand name producer that maybe this, they had, you know, cause it is a Meritage. So maybe they had some leftover juice from a couple of different yep. cat- categories that they were just getting, needed to get rid of. Yep. And they bottled it as this and blended it together and bottled it as this, and which is fine. You yep. know, you're still, you're getting quality juice from the region. You just don't know all the details. And, yeah. and that's sometimes what you pay for. Uh-huh. But, part part of what you're paying is the legacy and the and the name and the information.
2: But we can do our little sleuthing about this too a little uh, bit and we think can about theorize. Uh, okay, well, think about this. It's a meritage. That means it had to been qualified by the 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 uh, California Meritage Society, right? right? They had to agree. So you had to have at least two different grapes in it. I think a minimum is three, but I'm not sure. So you had multiple grapes in it and. Since it was a meritage instead of a cab, it had to be less than seventy five percent cab.
1: Right. And it had to be from that from that right. area.
2: But we don't know the other grapes or the re, nope. or the percentages of them. Hey, However, in 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 support of this, I should say that the Faust only says that they had eighty three percent of cab, which is more than it's called a, a cab, but they didn't tell you what the other grapes were. They they, they basically said that they, they had other grapes in it, but they didn't tell you the percentages in the in, in the things. Okay. So yeah, but they said it's uh let's see. Um yeah, 100% French oak, 30% new. Uh, and, and again, the oak in this is definitely good. It, it, it's a bit better, I think. 83% Cabernet Sauvignon blended with Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Cabernet Franc. So, But, you know, you still know the percentages. In some cases, they'll, they'll give you the exact percentages. But not not everyone does that. So it, it depends. But you still got learned a lot of information. You learned it came from Coombsville. Uh, you learned uh, a lot of things about that. And, and uh, in fact, so the, the winemaker notes on, on this one, uh, the core of house comes from the Coonsville estate, as well as from our vineyards in Rutherford and Oakville. The wine jumps out of the glass. You know what? That does happen. If you pour too fast, it'll jump out of the glass, but I I try to control that. Aromas of fresh black cherry plum layers of savory cherry compote, earth cheddar and graphite rounded up by a long finish and hints of dark chocolate balance, acidity, and, minerality, that is classic characteristic of a, of a cab from that area, particularly uh, some of the elements. So Coonsville AVA 2011, it's, it's the, it's the newest AVA out there. For a, a long time, uh, when I talked to the people in the wineries there, they were saying, well, you know, we, uh, we, we, we started by just growing the, 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 the grapes and we were finding that people were really making great wines out of our grapes, we decided, well, screw that. We should be doing that because that's where the money is. And so they started. And so a lot of these were newer wineries, like the the one that I told you about with the where he did the tunneling and everything. It was just like that was unbelievable, high tech. I'm, I'm, and it had for the punchdowns, he had automatic punchdown paddles that would go across and do it automatically. And, wow. and 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 we we did the tasting in this huge round room with a big round table, like we were the knights. <laughs> and it was out with a, a light streaming down from it, and I went like, "You've got to be kidding me! This is so over the top." So anyway, it's it's a very special area. I would definitely suggest if you have a chance to just try that area because it's it's a lot less hurried, it's a little bit quieter, but uh, it's just a very special area. And I appreciate the fact Kevin brought this wine because I I love tasting Coombsville fruit. It's just as good as it gets. Okay, so the a- AVA, obviously, thanks to the proximity to San Pablo Bay, along with the underlining hillside, varied sun exposure. this Their estate vineyard is one of the coolest growing region, regions in Napa Valley. Both the newest in Napa Valley and the furthest south, Coombsville benefits from ancient volcanic soil, marine breezes, coming off San Pablo. Long and cool growing season to its location in the valley. So, I, 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 again, this was... a uh, uh, a lot of times we'll just segue over to Napa, the town, which is it, you you've been to the town of Napa, right? I have, and some of the restaurants mm-hmm. do they not have wonderful restaurants in Napa? I don't know which ones did you go to? Do you remember? Oh,
1: it's been so long, Jim. I don't even remember. I mean, I was always there on some kind of educational trip, right. And I can't remember half the places I've been to. It's yeah. I know it's bad. Well, I don't it's, remember, it's, you know, I think I bet if I was going there, on vacation, I would remember more.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, you but yeah, but yeah you, you can just focus and enjoy all the, because it's, it, well, you should take a vacation there. It, it's a really fabulous spot. And, you know, but the, the the other side of, of the river, there's a big uh, shopping mart area there that is unbelievably good. The the restaurant's in there. Uh, you can get everything from any spice in the world you want to uh, to some of the best oysters you can get around Napa. So it it it's a it's a great area to to, to go to. Plus, they got the tasting rooms there. Yeah. Uh. So, and it's a good launching point uh, for just about anywhere else you want to go.
1: I've always stayed up further into in the val in the valley. You know, I always st- I've stayed at Yountville Inn and uh, okay, um, uh, Vineyard. Uh, what is it called? Uh, Vineyard Country Inn. Okay. Which is right next to the Sutter. I've never stayed at the Sutter Home House, but I want to. They have guest rooms at the Sutter Home House.
2: Oh, which is okay. interesting, but. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. There St. are uh, Saint Helena. Yeah. Is a, We, we stayed at a. Did you say Hel-
1: Helena or Helena?
2: Uh, yeah. I think it, either, either is acceptable. Okay. I I think they'll know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I, was, I didn't be,
1: know what the correct pronunciation was. I want to make sure I'm
2: pronouncing uh, it right. Saint Helena. Saint Helena. I've I've heard it pronounced both ways. Yeah. I think it's like potatoes. Potatoes. Mm-hmm. It's just like whatever you like. And about, we stayed at a B and B there, close to a small um, winery. And, uh, the woman who ran the place was also a painter. So the inside of her place was done wonderfully. You almost didn't want to go out and venture. That's how nice the place was, but it was off the, when the main road, just before you get to the traffic stop yeah. at St. Helena, you know, where that is, uh-huh. that's where everything stops. Right? Yep. <laughs> Why don't we just uh, park here and we'll just walk around <laughs> Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Anyway, I, I'm,
1: I mean, I can't speak enough about God's roadside. I mean, that's one of my all time favorites. Okay. I know it's kitschy and, and it's cool, but it was the old Taylor Refreshers roadside stand. Mm-hmm. But now it's a you know twenty dollar burger joint <laughs> for that Joel got the the, the wine grocer turned winemaker put together. Uh, I was just looking up too because I have my favorites up there. Some of those restaurants, uh, I told I, you, you mentioned in in Fremark Abbey in here. That's one of the ones we had tasted before, right? Yeah, and and one of the I had mentioned him before, Chef Douglas Keene on the show he's mm. he I went to college with him and he won top chef masters the very first year but he owns he owns Cyrus in, oh, in Heelsburg. Oh, that he's yeah, he's the yeah. chef Cyrus Cyrus 2.0 is coming I've I've brought this up years ago but it it got it went into a a bit of a you know a lull in financing and the whole pandemic and everything but um while well, I'm looking on their website and I'm seeing pictures of the construction but it's it's supposed to be opening fall of this year uh in uh, in Geyserville Ooh, and, and, uh, that's yeah. interesting. And some, this, if you look at this website, it's just amazing. It's OsirisRestaurant.com and the, the building looks absolutely stunning what they're going to do to this thing. And um, it's going to be one of those, um, I remember talking about this, one of the shows, a tasting experience where you go from room to room, you start off in one room and you have bubbles and an appetite and a little, you know, a moves bouche, and then you move to the next room, and then the, every course takes place in a different part of the restaurant. Oh yeah, it's a kind of a it's one of those. You know, um, I think they're only going to have you know less than fifty guests, and, and it's a tasting experience. I imagine it's going to be at least several hundred dollars per person. you oh, know, yep. to go through there. I, I'm guessing. I don't know what, but I just uh, I just added myself to his mailing list, so we'll see. Says coming fall of twenty twenty two in Alexander Valley.
2: Yeah, I think that's not going to be cheap. No, <laughs> <laughs> that it, hard, hard to believe.
1: Maybe I'll like, hey, you know, don't remember me, you know, <laughs> from college. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, hey, love to go see it. It, it never hurts. I say, Kevin. It says, Kevin. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, I, I want to go see it at, for, at the very least. But. Well, maybe I'll tag along then.
1: No, so yeah. his restaurant. So he had a restaurant at Fremont Abbey. He was his his last um, his last project was. A little restaurant on the same site as freemark oh, uh, it was okay. it was a uh, it was roadhouse 29 that has since closed prior to that is when i went there it was called two birds one stone which was the sh- the stone was the building and there was him and another chef an asian influence chef and it was so they were the two birds and the building was the one stone so that was kind of a cool yeah nod to the old architecture of that build that building that freemark Abbey building is just i mean it looks like it's from like 1800s.
2: Oh, yeah. There are some, oh. a lot of amazing buildings yeah. around there. Yeah. Just it, crazy. It might it very old old well
1: be that old. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I got
2: Behringer's yeah. is another one that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's it, it, just some of the buildings around there are, are Yeah. You don't even have to
1: taste wine. You can just go on an architecture tour. And then if you want to see new the new spaceship, you look at, you know, Opus. I call it the Opus spaceship. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I, I prefer seeing my architecture through the glint of a glass of Yeah. But that's just me. So anyway, the yeah, two wines we have we uh, gotta uh, talk about that. Uh, that's tr- trading this is a Trader Joe's Grand Reserve 2019 Meritage, uh Napa Valley, fourteen uh, and a half percent ABV, twelve ninety nine. Uh that's available here at the local one. And that probably is also available in, in the Santa Fe store. So uh Trader Joe's and of course the the um, cheeses also are from there. So we have wonderful English coastal cheddar, uh, and a, uh, mushroom and uh, wild, mush, uh, field mushrooms and brie, uh, double cream brie also from there. So we're actually indulging in two trader Joe cheeses and trader Joe wine. Hey, you know what? It's a good place to go. Um, I love being there. The everyone's fr- friendly there. Uh, the, we shop the, there all the time. That's yeah. our like
1: that's our primary shopping
2: yeah, it, store. It's, it's just, just so much cool stuff there. Yeah. The that you know, there, there's some things gonna be more expensive there than other places, but um the the wines that they do feature, they very much like Costco, they 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 know what the heck they're doing about selecting really good wines. And then they come up with some amazing ones. Um they were out of the one Burillo I wanted to grab again. That was a twelve ninety nine. Well, they do how, do you get, how do you get a twelve ninety nine burrito that's actually good?
1: They partner with our wineries, and yeah. so I'll get a phone call from my supplier that says, "Hey, we made a deal with Trader Joe's. We need you to send set up. You know, if we don't carry it, set this up, bring it in, and you know, they they. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a private label c- scenario. Not quite, but almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of private labels happening too. There's a lot of that going on where wineries are working with our, our brand name suppliers are working with particular yep. retailers to, to produce oh, well, private the, the, labels. The
2: bigger ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the uh,
1: Walmart's doing it
2: with Walmart uh, Kroger. Yep. Yeah. Southwest wines. Now it's a DH. The also has done special labels for everybody else. So yeah, it's uh, it's, it's the thing to do. And then the other one, of course, that we're talking about it, that we're talking about here. This is the Faust 2018 Cabernet Sauvignon, 14.9% ABV, uh, 50 to $55, uh, as prices I've seen out there. Yeah. What, what you offered at what price? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, what, 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 what price is, is, uh, Southern Glacier offering or,
1: well, we go by we go by what you see in the retail. It's probably a little bit less. It'll okay. probably like be under fifty. I would see it would be under fifty. Yeah. yeah, if you see it out there from here. I mean, we typically are not. Those are you know those MSRP's are a little high. I think when they come yeah, out. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, yeah, a little on the
1: high side. I think you'll see it under fifty dollars. But I mean, actually, this is the very end of the 2018. We're moving into the 19. Right. So, you know, get another chance to try That's something. True. Try the new one. Okay. I'm going to take yeah.
0: my chance right now. I'm going to try a little splash of that <laughs>
2: Faust. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, I, yeah, pretty much covered. The Faust label was inspired by Christopher Marlowe's Tragic History of Dr. Faust's. That was 1587. Uh, so uh, again, they had their their own artists and designers. By the way, the website is a really good one. Uh, I highly recommend checking the website out. It's, it's fun. Uh, they do a really, really good thing. They really give you some good education along with it. And tech sheets. I love tech sheets. If I get a tech sheet, I am just the happiest guy.
1: Oh, Jim's so excited about tech sheets.
2: I know. It's just its kind of weird. That's just the way I am. Anyway, um, let's see what else we got here. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the the uh, Judgment of Paris as well and a couple other things there. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll just give you a couple of the... I, I do a couple of, of the wine critic things so you can see that everyone's palate is different. Uh, you just uh, listen to a, a couple of different guys comment about the same wine and just say they weren't tasting the same wine, which, in fact, they weren't because they have different palates. They did on different days, a lot of variables going on. So uh, there's there's nothing really scientific about this, friends. It's all art uh, when it comes to what everyone because it's your own association of everything. So, James Suckling, his ratings are usually a little bit higher. Very attractive aromas black currants, black olives, dark leather with some cedar, full body with firm, silky tannins and a defined polished finish. Shows finesse and focus. Grows on the palate. Okay. I'm not sure about how that grows <laughs> on the palate, but that's what he thinks. Really delicious now, but will improve with age. Drink or hold 94 points. Uh, another one was wine enthusiasts. Blended with Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Cabernet Franc, this full-bodied, highly expressive red is made from Coonsville's State grapes as well as grapes from Sites and Rutherford Oakville. Represents concentrated, burly black fruit notes tempered by savory clove, espresso, leather, and toasting oak. Ninety-two points. So, very two, two different expressions, but the, th- the thing is, is it's it's friends. There really isn't any of those things in the wine. It's what we assume on our palate when we taste them, right. There's, uh, if I ever saw black olives floating in my wine, I would freak out. Okay. Just saying, but, uh, you know, that's, that's just an expression. So everyone's going to get it differently. So, you know, there's some things people will almost all agree with, you know, they'll say, Oh yeah, I get that. I get that. But there's other things it's like, really, you got a flutter of a Dom cheese. No, 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 no. Uh, there's no cheese and wine. I can Stop taste that.
1: the uh, 3% petite Verdot in the uh, wine. Yeah,
2: of course you can. <laughs> That's an old classic, yeah. old favorite.
1: <laughs> Eric, how are we doing on time? What's uh, what's our time check? Uh, we're, what are we looking at? when
0: we have about five minutes left. Okay. Thank you. Oh, wow. Well, okay.
1: Well. I always have to guess. I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just ask? Yeah, There's nothing wrong good. with asking. You
0: know, this is like, this is the yeah. Kiva. We, you know, we're free flow. We don't, we're not real rigid. I know. Just, I know. I just think I was just trying just to do keep our thing. Be, be
1: sensitive to it. You know, I hear all those syndicated shows. They ask, they're like, I got how much time I got left on the clock. You know, he listen to Hannity or, yeah, you know, it, it, they're always asking. Fair.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, that's fine. You, you just be you. Kevin. Oh, that's why we bring
2: okay. you in. Oh. Okay.
0: It's been so long. I forgot. You all know, right. It's been so long. Mm, glad
1: to have you back.
2: <laughs> so, I'm enjoying a little coastal chatter. Well, wow.
1: Um, yeah, people perceive. I think a lot of times people get um, the idea in their head from somebody else, right? If you, if you read something or somebody says something, boom, all of a sudden your brain snaps to that and you right. now taste
0: or smell or sense right. that. Your cup starts feeling right? Yeah. You're not, and, and you're not it's, the it's, empty it's, vessel anymore. You're,
2: sometimes it is actually that power suggestion, that, you know, th- that it can be power suggestion. It also can be that you pick up the same thing there, but you haven't been able to put your mind. Why? Uh, what is it? I'm tasting. You know, yeah. A lot of people like that. I've been a tasting where I'd come up with something and I was just, Oh, it's like, uh, it, it, it's like bazooka bubble gum. They go, Oh yeah, right. That's what, that's what I'm tasting. That's one of the word I've been looking <laughs> for. You found it. <laughs> So, you know, it, it's, uh, it can be a suggestion, but it could also be, oh, yeah, I relate to that. Okay, Judgment of Paris, 1976, uh, and uh, the fourth anniversary was in 2016. A uh, significant event, a lot of things that were that w- went on then. But we want to give you more of an update, uh, more current for that. So, Thanks wine cellars was sold in, the, these were the ones that won the best red wine. Uh, they were sold in 2007 to the Entenori family of Tuscany. A uh, family that both Kevin and I know very well, fabulous family, and Saint Michelle Wine Estates in Washington. So this was a joint effort by, by them to establish a uh, um, a the legacy wines from there and keep it going. So I thought you had one local and one uh, remote. Uh, yeah. Stag's Leap Winery is often confused with wines. Uh, Stagleaps Wine Cellar it was actually a judgment made that basically said. Stag's leap is, is stag apostrophe S and the other one is, is a stag's apostrophe. So where you put the apostrophe is significant. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, uh, really? <laughs> you, you must've been really fighting over this one.
1: We we were selling both of them um, up until recently. It, it, one of them, one of them left us in a trade. Uh Yeah. So we had to, we traded to the other house and so I can tell you now that my f- new favorite of the two <laughs> is the one we kept, which is Stags Leap Wine Cellars, wine the, one cellars. That, the one that's part of Saint Michelle Wine Estates. Right. Yeah. Okay. The other one is part of Treasury. Ah. So yep. the one with Treasury is no longer with us. It's with it's with our competitive yeah. house. Yeah. So, I mean, that's happened with a lot. It of- happens. Yeah. You know? Brands got we're a franchise market. Brands get traded. It happens. Yeah. You know there was. It was part of a, a, a deal where they we sent some brands to them, they sent some brands to us, and we move on with our lives.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But so they, uh, a but new they're movie. both great wines. They're oh, both yeah. fantastic wines. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, they source the fruit from pretty much the same area. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, a new movie, The German of Paris, that was to include uh, Warren Minarski's winning cab, was set to film in 2016. That never happened. However, what? uh, we have a new revival appearing. Uh, they're in post-production in 2022. I'll actually cover that briefly. Um, but the um, bottle shock was the one that covered it pretty much, but they covered Chardonnay and and fudged on, on the history. They had uh, Sperrier arriving and tasting the wines. He had never did. Uh, Patricia Gallagher was the one that tasted the wines there. And she probably tried to warn. She just, you know, they've got really good wines there. And I know the French are going to win. That's gonna, not, not a problem. Wrong, wrong. So there you go. Uh, Chateau Montelena, 1973 Chardonnay, and the 1973 Zagsleep Cabernet Sauvignon were the top white red. Uh, Mike Gergich is also part owner of Gergich Hills Winery, and they're known for their Chardonnay, obviously, but also their Zins, kind of a Claret-style Zin, and Cabs. Uh, Winarski also made wine in Colorado, assisted them in jumping into the wine world. Uh, Steve Spier owned a wine shop, Caves, De La Madeleine, which uh, shows up in the movie, and the school, the Academy de Vin, uh, as his base. I actually did some wine sponsored from that. Uh, He built a successful mini empire in and around Paris. By 1980, he had opened two wine bars, uh, Bistro en Vin and the Blue Fox, as well as the restaurant, Moulin du Village. Uh, other ventures didn't do as well. Steve oh. passed away March 9th, 2011 uh, to 2021. So that's one of the things we're kind of honoring here is Steve Passing and the fact that he was part of the, one of the ones that helped uh, put, make, Napa, on put the map. NAPA on the map. Yeah. Exactly. All right, It's on the map, and we are off the air very
0: shortly, gentlemen. Okay. Sorry to say. Was, we got we got other shows to do. And it's a great show. It's a good show. It's great to have you back, Kevin. It's good to see Absolutely. your face. Here, here And, Jim, <laughs> it's always great to see you. I'm, I'm so glad to be associated with you. L'chaim, L'chaim. Yeah. All right. We're going to go out with a little 1920s century old music. Maybe this tune will be familiar to you, uh, old cartoon fans. That's where I learned it from, was the old uh, California Here I Come. Right here on 1600 AM. You can find us on abq.fm and rockoftalk.chat. Stay tuned next week. We'll be back with two more choice wines for your enjoyment. You can count on it.